Warning to any listeners, this episode will include descriptions that some people may find distressing. Kiwi Saunders was travelling home with family and friends from a wedding they'd attended in Wales. When they decided to pull into the service station just off of the M25 motorway to get petrol and snacks. Kiwi's uncle and aunt, Patrick and Lizzie Connors, and a friend joined the 20-year-old in his car, which they were using to drive back home to Essex. It was there at Cobham Services in Surrey, on what had been a relatively dry and bright day in June, that Kiwi bumped into his two cousins. The tragedy that would occur next would be the result of a short but savage fight between the three men which would shock a community and defy public belief for the months to come. For what would drive members of the same family to hurt one another so badly that it would lead to such a gruesome death? This is the unbelievable story of how a plasterer's whisk was buried 10 centimetres deep into a young man's brain during a quarrel which broke out between family members at a service station in broad daylight. Welcome to episode 6 of Unbelievable, a true crime podcast where each week I'll be taking you through the stories of some of the most disturbing crimes committed in the UK. They are often horrific, sometimes baffling, but always unbelievable. To explain each case, I'll be using reports from the police, the media, the trials, and statements from family, friends, and those involved. In this episode, we'll be talking to Zosha Ez, a journalist from Surrey Live who reported on the incident and attended the first day of the trial. You'll be hearing from her throughout the episode. It's important to note here that these stories are 100% true. Huey Saunders was a young, handsome man from an Irish traveller's community. He, along with his family, lived in Stamford Le Hope, a town in Essex, a county in the southeast of England. Known to have been a schoolboy boxer, Huey had a strong build, although his family said he'd given up fighting several years before to become what they described as a bit of a party boy, training only to look good. His mum described him as someone full of laughter and kindness, while others who knew him commented on his giving nature and his willingness to help anyone, including a homeless man he would often see near his local shop. Yeah, so we can go for food together and um, he'd tell me I've got to do something first, I've got to go and get my brother's food and he'd take me to the kebab shop and get like a kebab or whatever and some drinks and food and then he'd stop at the station in Stamford, there's that homeless man there and he'd always feed him and things like that. On the 26th of June 2017, Huey had been journeying back from a three-day-long family wedding with members of his own family and a friend. He, along with his aunt and uncle, Lizzie and Patrick Connors, were drinking heavily on the return trip, while his friend, who remained sober, was driving Huey's blue Ford Focus. It was while they were driving through Surrey, still over 50 miles from their destination, that they decided to stop at Cobham Services. 
The services off of the M25 motorway were situated in the Surrey borough of Elmbridge. It was there that the wedding party bumped into two of Kiwi's cousins, 22-year-old Simon Baker and 21-year-old Mikey Coyle. They too had made a pit stop at the service station for refreshments on their way to find work together in their small white van. Simon from a village in Surrey and Mikey from West London were Kiwi's second cousins and had been making their way back to their van when Kiwi and his aunt and uncle arrived. They had initially driven away, but spotting their cousin, Simon and Mikey sped the wrong way around the service station's one-way system, almost colliding with another van before they pulled up in front of Kiwi's Ford Focus. Far from being a happy family reunion, the two men walked into the station's shop where Kiwi and his entourage were, and the two groups had some heated words. The men said they wanted to talk to their cousin and clear the air about some long-standing rumours which had been circulating in the traveller community. Although the two had not seen each other in years, the rumours mentioned that Kiwi had wanted to give Simon a good hiding. The alleged reason was never reported. The first confrontation didn't go well, and Kiwi and his aunt walked out of the shop, pushing Simon on their way out, shouting as they went. The situation escalated as the two parties went outside, where more words were exchanged and Kiwi took off his shirt before he was attacked by an already shirtless Mikey. Kiwi and Mikey started fighting on the petrol station forecourt, the fight then spilling into the shop. Kiwi was grappling with Simon at this point, but ended up being pushed to the ground by Mikey. The two men then ran. Taking the opportunity to get away, they headed towards their van. But neither party seemed to want to back down. Mikey grabbed a shovel from the van and Simon a plasterer's whisk, which they then began defending themselves with. Huey, backed by his uncle Patrick, didn't look as if they were going to back down either. Heading towards them, they followed Mikey and Simon around the van. Backing away from Kiwi, Simon walks backwards into the shop, where in a split second he pushes Kiwi, hitting him with the weapon of choice, the plasterer's whisk. After this blow, Simon ran away, and he and Mikey got into their van and drove away from the scene. As Kiwi lay bleeding on the shop floor, the police arrived and officers battled to try and save him. A man who claims he saw the horrific attack 53-year-old retired soldier Raphael Francis later recounted how he could only watch as Kiwi was dealt vicious blows to the head. I knew he was in serious trouble because the amount of blood he was losing from his head, from a head wound. The young lad had uh, breathing difficulties and I needed to solve those problems, which I did, by releasing his tongue. He said how a woman he believed was his mum had kept asking him if he thought her son would make it. I couldn't look her in the eye. There was just too much blood, he told the press. He remained for two days in the intensive care unit. He was in a critical condition, and although doctors tried, nothing could be done to revive him. On the 28th of June, his life support machine was switched off, and Kiwi was pronounced dead. Police launched a murder investigation, and inquiries got underway. A number of people were said to have videoed the fight on their mobile phones and later that day, the police put out an appeal for any footage taken of the altercation, including that which might have been captured on the dash cams of nearby cars. They also released a CCTV image 
of a white Peugeot van they were attempting to trace. Huey's family released tributes to their loved ones, calling Huey a very kind-hearted boy who loved life and was very respectful to his elders and the sick. They added that he had been taken too young and that his life appeared to have been taken for no reason at all. Huey's death sent shockwaves through the traveller community and became national news. Shortly after he died, Huey's childhood sweetheart, LaRosa Smith, shared her heartbreak on Facebook following the tragic incident. She wrote, R.I.P. my baby, I have no words to describe the way I feel right now. I know you'll be by my side. I know you'll never leave me. You'll always be there watching over me, watching every move I make. He wasn't just my boyfriend. He was my best friend, my full life. Three weeks later, on what would have been Kiwi's 21st birthday, his brother Luke posted an emotional message on Instagram with the words, Nothing in my life will ever be worth it now you're gone. Nothing I ever achieve will ever feel good enough because it doesn't bring you back. All I can do is keep the family together and do my best to do you proud. But you know, you was the rock of our family. It was you who kept us together when things went wrong. You were too good for this world, Kiwi. I'm only existing on this earth until I see you again. Happy birthday, RQ. I'll see you again. I can't wait to hug you and tell you how proud I am. I love you, brother. Kiwi's mother, who asked not to be named, said Kiwi was the heart of the whole family. All our hearts are broken, she said. The family is very close and he will be missed by his brothers and sisters. His mum revealed that Kiwi's organs had been donated and said she wished the people who had received them to live long, happy lives. The cause of such a brutal display of violence among men of the same family remained a mystery to the wider public. Reports in several newspapers talked of Kiwi being beaten to death with a shovel over a parking feud which was sparked between two groups of strangers. Answers to some of the biggest questions in the case were only revealed later on at trial. The van that Simon and Mikey had been driving was recovered the day after the fight, after being searched for by a police helicopter, but no shovel was found inside. On the 29th of June, Mikey handed himself in to Guildford Police Station. In his written statement, he said in essence that he had acted in self-defence. Having recorded an audio clip, he sent to the family, saying he did not kill their son. This is me and Mikey Kyle speaking out. I want to say on behalf of Huey, I'm sorry for your loss, for your family. I wish them no devil, no man. And what happened that day was an accident. Your son was a true, true warrior. He had the heart of a lion. And another thing, I never killed your son. I'm walking in today and I'm handing myself in. And I'm going to let God be my judge. Rest the peace, Huey. Police confirmed that on the 30th of June, they had arrested one man on suspicion of murder, but they were still searching for the other assailant. Mikey and Simon were later charged with the murder of Huey Saunders. Charges they both denied. An 11-day trial began on the 15th of November, 
at the Old Bailey Courthouse in London. My name's Osha Ayres and I was a reporter at the Surrey Advertiser and Surrey Live at the time of the case. Yeah, so it's a really grand building. It's huge. You go there, it's very different from Guildford Crown Court where I would normally have been reporting. It's a beautiful building and you've got these really large courts. It's quite palatial really, I guess. And then when you get in, you're separated more from proceedings than you would usually be. It's just a more intimidating place to report. A jury of 12, six women and six men, began listening to the arguments of barristers, the testimony of witnesses and the evidence of experts. During the opening statements, the prosecution confirmed exactly how Kiwi had died, to the shock of many present. An examination of his injuries had found the plasterer's whisk carried by his cousin Simon had penetrated 10 centimetres deep into his skull, making its way through one side of his brain and out the other. The examination also found that Huey had suffered injuries to his back and left shoulder. Prosecution QC Sandip Patel said Huey had suffered catastrophic head injuries, with the pathologist agreeing that severe force had been used to carry out the fatal blow. Mr Patel told the court the defendants did not dispute that they were there, that they armed themselves with makeshift weapons and that the whisk caused the fatal injury. But they claim they acted in self-defence. Mr Patel then launched into a detailed description of what they believed to have happened that day. He explained how Kiwi and his family had decided to stop for refreshments. At the same time, the defendants Simon and Mikey also decided to pull over in their white transit van. As the defendants drove off, they passed a Ford Focus car. Mrs Connor, Kiwi's aunt, was seated at the rear and she got out, with Kiwi getting out a moment later. As they got out of the car, they glanced towards the van as it drove off. And so the defendants must have looked in their direction because they drove the wrong way around the one-way system to go back towards them, Mr Patel explained. The prosecution say that this dangerous manoeuvre was so they could return to the forecourt as quickly as possible because they were spoiling for confrontation, he said. The defendant stopped in front of the Ford Focus so as to block its path. They jumped out of the van and went to find Kiwi inside the shop. It appears that heated words were exchanged. And moments later, Mikey can be seen leaving the shop alone. The prosecution said that Mikey had appeared to say something to Kiwi, which had caused him some alarm. And what followed was a short and brief fight involving all three of the men. Mr. Patel explained how Mikey could be seen removing a large shovel from the van, while Simon was seen to retrieve a plasterer's whisk before moving back inside the shop. It was only through interviewing a large number of witnesses present at the scene that police could start to piece together what they believed had happened, much of which could not be revealed through examining CCTV footage. Because despite the fact there were 53 cameras on site, only eight were working on June the 26th. After the blow that Huey was dealt inside the shop, the prosecution believed the defendants knew he was injured. However, in the dock, the pair denied that accusation. Defending Mikey was Mr James Scobie, QC, who said that Patrick Connors, 
Huey's uncle had deliberately lied to investigating officers about Mikey having kicked him during the ordeal. He also alleged that Mr Connors had lied about seeing the defendants run into the shop after his nephew and then seeing them run out. When pushed on this point while on the witness stand, Mr Connors replied, You went to school, you're a big QC barrister, I'm just a traveller, I'm going to say what I saw. The cross-examination of Mr Connors revealed that with the amount Kiwi had drunk that day, he was twice over the legal driving limit at the time of his death, although he had not been driving when the party stopped at Cobham Services. During questioning, Mrs Connors, Kiwi's aunt, told the court that she was traumatised and could not remember anything between getting out of the car and finding her nephew badly injured, apart from calling for the police. All I remember that day is just getting in the middle of them, saying stop this, stop this, and roaring for police. Roaring for help, she said. One minute we were in the back of the car, he was showing me photos of the wedding. The next minute he was dead. He was murdered. When it was time for Mikey to give evidence, he told the court that Mr Connors had threatened him before he and Simon took up a shovel and the plasterer's whisk. Footage shot by a witness, former police officer Andrew Margolis, captured part of the incident and was shown in court. In the video, one voice, identified by Simon as Kiwi's uncle, Mr Connors, said, Baker, I'll fix you. Simon said, I walked to the side of the van. I saw Mikey with the shovel. I thought, they're not stopping and they're not scared of us. They want to beat us up. I grabbed the whisk and thought they would see it and get scared. There was nothing stopping me at that stage from attacking him, but I hoped that it would have just scared him. But I think it wound him up more. Never once did I go to Kiwi with the whisk, nor did Mikey go at him with the shovel. Simon revealed he wanted Kiwi to get scared because he was scared for his life. It was explained that the two men were distantly related, but known to each other, although they had not met for several years. Simon told the jury, I just wanted to speak to him and clear the air about what I'd been hearing. I heard he was saying a few things about me in the travelling community. I didn't know why he was saying it, but I thought I would just ask him, really. It's been going on for a few years. He apparently was saying that when he sees me, he was going to give me a good hiding. Simon said the pair spoke about the rumours, but the situation escalated when Mrs Connors, Kiwi's aunt, approached and began to shout. Explaining how he thought Mrs Connors was drunk, Simon said he believed Kiwi began to get pumped up when she came near. He added, I wouldn't have wanted to get in a fight with him because I knew who was going to come out on top. Kiwi was a lot bigger than me, a lot stronger than me. Simon was also accused by a witness called Mr Hobbs of saying, I'm the man, I'm the man, while he ran back to his vehicle. 
Simon contested this version of events in court, saying that he had instead shouted to Mikey, get in the van, get in the van. At the end of the first week of trial, Jeremy Benson QC, who was defending Mikey, opened his case. The defendant described being beaten by the Connors, claiming Mr. Connors placed him in a headlock while his wife landed kicks on him. While he admitted to kicking Mr. Connors, Mikey denied any blows were landed on his head. At no stage, at any point, did I want to hit Kiwi or Paddy with that shovel, Mikey said. I wanted to take the attention away from Simon. I was looking at Kiwi. He knew I was never going to hit him with the shovel. At no point did I raise the shovel. During the closing speeches for the defence, Mr. Scobie told the jury that it was important to remember that Simon had hold the whisk for only 50 seconds. It's very different to someone armed with a gun or a knife, knowing what a gun and a knife can do. This is a very different case, he said. You've got to take yourself away from the calm of this court to what he was facing at that time. Mr. Scobie claimed Kiwi had instigated the fight by deciding to take his top off and that his client had acted instinctively. Representing Mikey, Mr. Benson argued his client used only reasonable force and did not take advantage of the many opportunities he had to inflict violence on Kiwi. Mr. Benson said, The prosecution are fixated on a number of facts that do not actually help you. The manner of driving used by the defendants, the manner of the disagreement between Simon and Kiwi, and Mr. Hobbs hearing the words, I'm the man, I'm the man. We are not here to find out what it was about, but what actually happened. Mikey was seen on CCTV, trying to steer away from the incident, saying let's go to Simon. There was no intention to cause injury. We can see the footage of Kiwi lifting up his arms, and Mikey believed Kiwi was going to hit him. To act in self-defence, a man or woman doesn't need to wait until the first blow from the other person. You are entitled, if you perceive a threat, to use force in a self-defence, and that is what happened. He used reasonable force, one punch, before chasing him away. After 11 days, the jury retired to consider the fates of both men, who were remanded in custody throughout the trial. Judge Anthony Leonard, QC, reminded the jurors they did not need to hurry to return verdicts before they were taken to a private room to examine the evidence. But it took the jury little more than a day to find both men not guilty of Kiwi's murder. The defendants, who appeared nervous as they awaited their fate, exchanged a look as they were cleared, but otherwise did not react. I think everyone was shocked by the verdict. Yeah, not to say it was incorrect, but what we were surprised at is that there wasn't a manslaughter charge that was put on, which some would consider might have been a mistake by the CPS. Because, I mean... They admitted openly that they'd been there and that the incident had happened. And so I think the idea that they'd walked free from that without any consequences was quite shocking for a lot of people. As the men were found not guilty, the atmosphere in the court was full of anger. Another reporter who was at the trial noted that a middle-aged man left the courtroom, loudly swearing and shouting before smashing a plastic bin outside. He also saw a distraught woman sitting in the foyer after the pair were cleared of Kiwi's murder. Kiwi's family were devastated by the verdict and set up a campaign called Justice for Kiwi Saunders. 
The campaign appealed for a retrial, and members of QE's family and friends came out strongly criticising aspects of the police investigation and the court case. You could tell that people weren't happy at the time. Um, And I mean, obviously, when the verdict comes out as a family, it's probably to be expected that you weren't going to be happy with that. I remember as soon as the verdict came through, we got so many messages um, from people all over the community, family, people weren't happy with it at all. But I mean, we can only report what's happening at the time. A petition in support of the campaign was set up on change.org and has to date collected 4,836 signatures. England World Cup star Manchester United's Ashley Young and Hollywood actor Robert Richard, star of Coach Carter and CSI Miami, sent video messages of support to the family. Huey's popularity was made clear on the day of his funeral. With a video of the procession showing Huey's body being carried in an ornate silver horse-drawn carriage surrounded by hundreds of mourners. The carriage was led by six white horses, two of which were being ridden by men wearing military jackets and top hats. Above the carriage was a large floral red heart, which read, The Heart of Our Family. A framed picture of the family together rested up against his dark blue casket. Cars followed in a long line behind the carriage, fronted by several silver Rolls Royces containing Kiwi's family. The number of vehicles in the procession were so many that those at the back were still arriving 15 minutes into the service. A sea of funeral attendees gathered at the church and joined for the last part of the procession that made its way into the Holy Cross Catholic Church. Female members of his grief-stricken family followed close behind, holding on to the back of the carriage as it drove along. At the church, in the village of South Ockenden in Essex, cars, vans and pickup trucks had blocked the roads in an attempt to park. Curie's family have since made a short film which documents their struggle since Cuey's death. In the video, which is still available on YouTube, Cuey's family and those who knew him remember the man they lost. He was the nicest, most caringest person I've ever met in my life. He had not, like, not one bad bone in his body to help anyone that he could. Like Everyone always says about how helpful he was and how nice he was, no matter whether they knew him or they didn't. He had an impact on I everyone. I know before it happened. He said, make the bed for me, mummy. I'm coming home, I'll be home in an hour. Make the bed for me. That was his last words. That was the last words me baby said. I a spider in the car and petrified of spiders. And I started screaming. And I started screaming and panicking. And I tried to jump into the back, but there was so much in the middle of the thing. I was just sat in the middle screaming at him to get rid of it and he was screaming at me to get rid of it but I couldn't touch it because I was so scared. <laughs> well, honestly, he used to chase me with spiders all the time. <laughs> now, like, if I see a spider, I think, like, it's him. <laughs> but on the day of his funeral, when he was getting laid, I felt some girl behind me touching me and I turned around and she said, I'm sorry, but like, there was a massive spider on you and I just knew it was him. <laughs> Sounds stupid, but I keep looking, but I can't find him. I'm waiting for him every minute. I'm waiting for him to come back to me. That's all I see 24/7 is his face. 
I want to hold him, but I can't. He's just everything in this whole family. Everything. My QE is. Life will never be the same without him. He gave it all, 100%. Everything we did in the training sessions as well as the football sessions. And he cared about the team. Each individual player, you know, everyone looked up to him, you see. And that showed his character. That was a glow around him to say. And uh, that stood out a lot. Everyone knows how bad London bees with the people outside and people on the streets. He was looking for people to come with him, for to help him. He went and he got hoodies and hats and scarves and stuff, just to, that's how good of a person This he is was. what I have from the morgue, instead of his 24th birthday card. This is what I got. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unbelievable. Please take a second to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, share with your friends and follow us on social media. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Bronwyn Weatherby. And please join us next week when we'll have another unbelievable story to tell you. Until then, goodbye.